Anybody old enough to remember my favorite Martian, the TV show? Raise your hand if you remember the TV show, My Favorite Martian. I got one. Bob, you don't know my favorite Martian? You have to know. Anyway, I was a, uh, uh, an early sort of sci-fi sort of thing, sort of comedy thing. And this uh, Martian was on Earth, and, and uh, he had two little antennas that came up from the back of his head, and then he would disappear. And uh, I now have new lights that remind me of my dear friend, my favorite Martian. Isn't that look cool? Thank you to uh, Jim Roberts for that. I can see my notes like I, I can figure out where to put the lights. So we, uh, my name's Randy, one of the pastors here at the church. Glad that you guys are here, and we are thrilled to be in our, our new home and uh, continuing to look forward to find uh, our way on, so to speak, in this uh, location. We say in our church narrative that Vineyard Church is part of the great family of God. And that means at its broadest, the Vineyard Church is connected to all who share the Christian faith and hold Jesus Christ to be God's Son and our Lord and Savior. From his early disciples in the early church to the Catholic and Greek Orthodox, out of which came the many Protestant churches and denominations, But in a nearer relational sense, Vineyard Church of San Antonio is a part of an international family of about 1,900 churches in 92 different countries and uh, with another 500 or so here in the United States, and that's the Vineyard Churches. And Claire and I, as I have uh, shared over the last couple of weeks, uh, became involved in the Vineyard uh, back in 1982 when uh, our daughter Joy was one. Um, and would suggest that, you know, if Catholic and Greek Orthodox are kind of distant relatives and Protestant churches maybe are kind of second and third cousins, our vineyard churches are next of kin. In fact, interestingly, when we launched small groups in the vineyard back in the 80s, we called them kinship groups. This morning, I want to continue our new series about this great family that our church is a part of. And as I shared last week, Claire and I both experienced encounters with God in our teens and then led us individually and then together to pursue relationships with and service to God. Uh, We both received biblical training in college along with ministry involvement in missions. And our calling to full-time ministry led us to Fuller Theological Seminary where at the age of 25 we encountered God in a richer and more profound way in the Vineyard Church. And so to help us become acquainted with our Vineyard Church family, we're spending the next couple of months or so, maybe till the first week in October, something like that, about the core values and the practices of our Vineyard family. But before we head there this morning, I want to play again, or not again, but I want to play the second part of a video of John Wimber, who was essentially the the founder of of the vineyard, or at least relative to bringing it together under his leadership, and it became uh, much of what it continues to be today through his leadership. Um, Before John's conversion, uh, John was a very successful professional musician, but whose life was a mess. In the video last week, John described how he had no knowledge whatsoever about God, Jesus, or the Bible, but he and his wife began to seek for God. 
And I share this video somewhat because I really respect and really benefited from John Wimber, uh, but also for us to perhaps heighten our awareness that perhaps more today than in 1963 do people not know much about Christianity or what they think they know is often a, a misrepresentation. And so I think this is a, a somewhat of a comical way to kind of see how far someone can be from the things of God that we may need to be alert to those things rather than taking things for granted. Uh, at this point in the video, John uh, wants to try and buy a Bible. He's living and working in Las Vegas and is trying to get help from bartenders. There you go. Now, the problem was the only places I shopped was like the casino stores and things like that. And it's not easy to buy a Bible in Las Vegas in the casino stores. And so I went to several of them, and uh, finally this one lady says, you're not going to find a Bible here. And I said, you know, I'm beginning to believe that. I said, where would you go if you wanted a Bible? She said, go across the street. And she said, uh, there's a book rack, and on the book rack there's a Bible. Now, my wife had been very careful to describe to me what Bibles look like. She says they're black, and it says Holy Bible on the side of them, or on the back of them. And uh, I said, is it black? I didn't want anybody to put anything over me. You know? I, I said, is it black? She said, well, I don't think so. I said, well, then it can't be a Bible. And she said, I think it's a Bible. Go on over there. So I went over to the drugstore, and sure enough, on the, I, I asked the clerk, and she, she went over, and she got this green book. It was a paperback, and she took it down, and it said, New Testament, New English New Testament. And I said, that's not a Bible. And she said, yeah, it's a Bible. It's half a Bible. And I said, it's half a Bible? <laughs> I said, what do you mean it's half a... This thing was getting complicated, you know? I said, what do you mean it's half a Bible? And she said, it's half a Bible. I said, you sell it for half price? And she said, no, but take it, you'll like it. Well, I found out later you can't get saved reading that translation. <laughs> and I told the guy, Shh, God doesn't know that because that's the one I read. And it worked for me, you know? Well, anyway, I got the book home, and I started reading it. You ever read that book? That's a weird book. It's all about Jewish people. I started reading. I read about seven or eight pages, and I went into my wife, and I said, this is all about Jewish people. And she said, well, I know that. She said, God's Jewish. <laughs> I said, I said, oh, come on. Is he really? You know. Now, keep in mind, I didn't have any prejudice about Jews because I had worked with Jewish people all my life. I'd been in the entertainment industry, in the garment industry before that, and, and uh, you know, in all through show business and record industry. Every place I worked, I worked with Jewish people. It wasn't any antagonism towards them being Jews. That was just news to me that God was a Jew. I didn't know, you know. And so we tried to read the book. Well, uh, uh, I started taking it with me to work. Now, when I went to work at night, we, we worked the midnight shift from midnight to four, and we would do a show, and then we would have an intermission while another group did a show, and then we would go back. We were a lounge act. And so during the intermissions, I was taking my Bible, and I was going in and sitting down at the bar, and, and they had these little pin lights, you know, over the bar, and I was, I was sitting there reading one night. And the bartender came over and said, what you reading? And I said, the Bible. And he said, you shouldn't read it here. And I said, why not? The light's good. And he says, no. Nah. He says, you shouldn't read it. It's beside. I said, he says, that's not the real Bible anyway. And I, I slammed it down. I said, I knew it. I said, what's the real Bible like? And he says, well, they're black. And I thought, all right. You know? 
this guy knows. He knows what it is. And I said, and it says Holy Bible on it. And he says, yes. And, he, and I said, well, where do you get them? He says, well, you buy them at the Bible bookstore, dummy. I said, the Bible bookstore? And he said, yeah. He says, there's one down the street. And so I went right into the lobby and looked up in the yellow pages. And sure enough, right down the street, there was a Bible bookstore. So I got in my car and drove down there, and it was closed. <laughs> They're missing a lot of business clothes. You know, the sinners are out at that time of night. And so I, I went back to him and I said, they're, they're closed. He said, well, he says, you can get it in the morning. And he, and he wrote a note down. He said, just give him this note and you'll get the real, true Bible. And so the next morning, I waited down there. I got off the shift at 4 o'clock, went down there and parked and waited. And about 8.30, this woman came and opened the door and I followed her in. She was a nice lady. And I said, I want to buy a Bible. And she says, oh, good. And then I found out there's all kinds of Bibles, you know, lots of Bibles. She said, we've got big Bibles and little Bibles. And she said, what kind of Bible do you want? I said, I don't know. And I pulled this note out and I handed it to her. And on it, it said, the King James Virgin. You know? <laughs> she laughed, too. Anyway, the next thing I know, about ten minutes later, I'm walking out the door, and I'm the proud owner of a Bible. It's got Moroccan leather, you know, and it's got little finger tabs, you know, and it's got a concordance in the back, and it, oh, it was wonderful. And so I took it home, and I sat down to read it. I was so excited. I was so excited. Now, about ten o'clock in the morning, I sat down to read it, and I can't understand a thing. Have you ever tried to read that book? That's the weirdest book. I, well, I opened up to Ezekiel, you know. <laughs> That's a weird dude, man, at Ezekiel. Well, anyway, I was very disappointed. So I'm talking to my wife about it, and I'm saying, look, this book's hard to read. And she said, I know, it's really difficult to understand. That's why people read it over and over again, you know. I mean, they've got to read it more than once? And she said, yeah. And I said, you know, God is hard to get connected with. It's hard to find God, you know. Well, over the next few weeks and months, we continued our, the process daily of, of reading the Bible. We found after a week or two that, we, that somebody recommended a series of books for children on the Bible. We found out we could buy them at the same bookstore. We went and got them, and we would read these little children's books, and then we would read the Bible. And that was working out pretty good. And after about three months, we decided to leave Las Vegas and go back home. We hadn't been home more than a week or so when my friend Dick came over to see me. He began sharing with us, and now we had a, a, someone that was a living witness. And over the next few weeks... He began talking to us about Jesus and what Jesus could do for us. Well, one of the weirdest things happened was they invited us to church. You ever been to church? Come on, own up. You ever been to church? Well, one morning at 7 o'clock. Now, keep in mind, I didn't get home normally until about 2 o'clock. So at 7 o'clock, my wife's pushing me and saying, We're going to church. Get up. We're going to church. I'm saying, hot dog, you know, I don't, I don't want to go to church. Why do they have it so early in the morning? She said, well, you've got to go, we've got to drive clear up to Yorba Linda, because that's where God was, in Yorba Linda, <laughs> at Dick and Lynn's church. And so we got dressed, and we got in the car, you know, and, and it took us a long time. We couldn't find the kids' shoes, and we, and we got in the car, and by then I was mad, and we got in a bit, you know, argument, and, and we found out later it was the tradition that you're supposed to <laughs> argue. <laughs> all the way to church, but we didn't know it, you know, we were, we were all, already into the thing, and we, we argued all the way up there, and we finally get there, and it's, it's a little old building, you know, I remember I drove up in front of it, and I thought, 
this place is hurting, you know. <laughs> Old and everything. And they got one of these marquees out in front, you know, with, a, with what's on for the day. And I'm looking at that, and I thought, that doesn't look interesting. You know, I didn't even know what it was talking about. The next thing I know, I'm, we're out of, the, out of the car, and we're walking uh, up these steps, and I suddenly realize that I'm the only one there smoking. And I thought, hey, this is 1963. <laughs> Don't you guys know how, you know? And, and I, so I started looking for an ashtray. You ever look for an ashtray in one of those places? I couldn't find one for anything, you know. I finally put it out on the ground. And some guy with a flower looked at it. <laughs> then another weird thing happened. I noticed that everybody talked real loud. Hi, how are you? They said, you know. And you can put your child over here. And I'm not going to put my child over there. You know, I don't know what was going on. This is the weirdest thing I had ever been to. And, I mean, I've been in and out of bars for years, and nobody had ever treated me this way. And so I'm, I'm walking real close to my wife because I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I, you know, I didn't know what was next. And we walk in through this building, and this guy hands us a menu. And, and I'm looking at it, and, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me at all, you know. And we're walking along, and my kids, I, I, Chris was on one hand, and Tim's on the other hand, and Carol's got uh, uh, Sean under her arm, and we'd put Stephanie in this thing. They said they'd give her back later on, <laughs> but we weren't sure. And we're, we're walking through there, and uh, uh, one of the kids says, Hey, Daddy, what's that? I said, Hell, I don't know. <laughs> and my wife turned around and said, Don't cuss. <laughs> and I said, I'm not cussing. I saw you cussing. That's all we were good at in those days was fighting. And so we finally get seated, and they made us set right down in the front row. Did they ever do that to you? All the back seats were full, and then and we had to... <laughs> and we're sitting there, and we got this, you know, we're looking at this menu, and, and we don't know what's going to happen. The next thing I know, these three guys walk in. And they're real nice-looking guys. They all got suits on. And they, they come in and they sit down. And one guy sort of bounces up and comes up to a thing that looks sort of like this. And he says, good morning. And I thought, well, that's a nice way to open the show, you know, real friendly. And he said, let us pray, our Father and our God. I thought, what's that? So I turned to my friend Dick and I said, what's the matter with his voice? He said, I don't know, they all sound like that. <laughs> he says, I think they get it at seminary. <laughs> and this guy, and he finished praying, I guess, and then he sat down, and another guy came up and said he was going to ministry, give the ministry of the Word. And so they began reading the Bible. Now, keep in mind, all these weeks we had been reading the King James Bible, but we'd never read it out loud. We didn't know what it sounded like. And the guy started speaking, and I thought, oh, no, he's got a speech impediment. He lists. <laughs> and I turned to my wife, and I said, listen to that poor guy. She said, oh, I know, I know. And she said, well, there's, you know, there's no better place to hire the handicapped than, <laughs> than the church. And I thought, this place is weird. And then they started singing these songs. You ever, you ever heard a congregational song? 
we had a guy standing right behind us. He wasn't that close to any note on the page. You know? I mean, not that close. And I thought any minute those guys with the flowers, you know, better get rid of this dude. You know, he's not going to last long here. And then the next thing, I, you've never been to church. The next thing that happened, the next thing, I mean, this is really weird. The next thing that happened is on a thing that said that the choir was going to minister. And when the choir stood up to sing and they hit the first note, I said, this is no choir. This is a pickup group. Surely they couldn't have rehearsed and sound that bad. It was awful. I listened to it, I listened to it, I listened to it. Now, it's an interesting thing. You know, when a, when a, a speaker's speaking or a choir is singing and a, people are listening to them, there's two jobs going on at the same time. I found out that I finished my job a lot sooner than they finished their job. I was through before they were. In any case, they sang for a while, and then this gal sang a solo. Anyway, this gal sang a solo. This is the kind of gal that comes up and introduces her song about, you know, that God's given me this voice and I'm going to give it back to him. And God goes, no. <laughs> she had a vibrato that went at least five notes. She was in any of three keys at any time that she wanted to be there. Now, these were lovely people. Please understand that. But this was my impression that first day. The next thing I know, this guy's preaching, and I don't know what he's talking about. And I'm listening, and I'm listening, and I'm counting the tiles, and I'm, my kids are squirming, and they want to go, and they're talking to me. And they have to go to the bathroom, and they can't go to the bathroom because of the guys with the flowers. And, the, and it's going on and 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 on. And I'm thinking, this is really bad news. I've got to get out of here. First of all, I hadn't gone 40 minutes without smoking in years. I was hurting, you know, my nose was draining, you know. Oh, it was awful. So I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, I, this has got to stop. This has got to stop. And all of a sudden, I knew it was going to stop. Because I could sense the momentum picking up. You know, when the show's going to close, they, they rally for this big finish. And the guy was saying something to the effect that, uh, that if anybody's been moved by what they've just heard, that they were supposed to come forward to this altar. And I'm looking for the altar, and I can't see any altar, because I've seen the movies, you know, where they put the maiden on the thing, and they, you know, <laughs> they didn't have anything like that. So I turned to my friend, I said, where's the altar? They forgot the altar, they blew it, they forgot. No, he says, that's that, that banister thing that goes right around there, and like that, around the, st the stairs, and everything. that's the altar. I said, that can't be the altar, they can't get any maiden on that altar, you know. He says, no, that's the altar. That's what they use for the altar, John. That's, what, that's the altar, all right. Okay, Dick, if that's the altar. Okay, with that, let's pray. Papa, we each are, uh, have been on our journeys of getting to know you. And it's been a unique journey for each of us. But we thank you that you were seeking us before we ever sought you. Thank you that you have called us to a life with you.
a life of freedom from the entanglements, the perishing life that so grips so many. And would you help us grow to partner with you in more uh, profound ways as we interact with our community, our neighbors around us, our co-workers, waitresses and servers at restaurants, grocery stores. Could, could we, through your empowering presence, become a whole lot more like you and be alert, grow to be alert and participate, recognizing that you're always at work. Holy Spirit, have your way now. Lead us into a greater understanding of the truths of the message of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Let it be so. I think I need to add another. Oh, look at that. There's two of them. I think that most of us here would agree that getting to know and having relationship with God, Father, Son, and Spirit, and to become like Him, is is essentially the goal of the Christian life. And in the vineyard, as in in most Christian churches, we we look to the Old and New Testaments. That's helpful, actually. Thank you. We look to the Old and New Testaments to guide our theology and practices and to teach us about the nature and purposes of God. And we believe that God has revealed himself and his ways in the Old and the New Testaments, all of which culminates in this amazing revelation of God that we have in the life, person, and teaching of Jesus. The writer of the Hebrews described Jesus this way in his arrival. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Jesus as God incarnate, the divine word and the exact representation of God is the ultimate revelation of God and the visible representation of the Father. And to appropriately understand the good news that we have in Jesus, we must understand his most important overarching and integrating message about the world, which was the message of the kingdom of God. At the beginning of his gospel, Mark said, after John the Baptist had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the time is here, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Matthew says a very similar thing in Matthew 4.17. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. To understand why the kingdom of God being at hand is good news, we need to first be reminded of what a kingdom is. A kingdom commonly refers to a country or territory, a realm ruled by a king or queen. And the kingdom of God as described by Jesus can be thought of as the sphere where God, what God wants done is done. When God created the heavens, the earth, humankind, animals, fish, 
and birds. All of this was a part of his kingdom realm where what God wanted done was done. This was a part of his goodness of creation. There was order and peace. There was fullness of life, purpose. There was cooperation. There was loving, interactive relationship with God and one another. The world was a beautiful place of calm and peace and purpose. Genesis says, as a part of his kingdom, God assigned dominion, oversight, and rule to humankind. God created in his image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God had said day after day, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is awesome. But when Adam and Eve chose to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and to become like God, they rebelled against God's rulership, becoming autonomous, self-ruling, self-governing individuals. And well, we know the rest of the story. The outcome was brokenness, separation, isolation, and death. Their relationship with God, with one another, within themselves, even with the world around them, became broken. There was now disorder and unrest. There was destruction, fighting, and conflict. There was abuse, taking, hurting, killing. The world became violent and out of control. And it still is in many ways. When Jesus came saying, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand, he was not saying, or else God's going to get you. In fact, it's the very opposite. Jesus was saying something along the lines of, hey, everybody, I've got great news. Something awesome is available to you. It's now within your reach. That which humankind lost in the fall, order and peace, fullness of life, purpose and cooperation, loving, interactive relationship with God and one another, it could be restored. The brokenness, separation, isolation and death in your relationship with God, with one another, within yourselves, can be healed, can be mended. You can live an eternal kind of life that you were created to live in the kingdom of God, right now, in your life, where love and what is good and best can be experienced. But you're going to need to change the way you're thinking about who's in charge. You need to no longer live as the self-appointed ruler of your life, but instead Welcome God's loving care and oversight of your life. And as a result, you will experience a blessed and super abundant life rather than this perishing life that you've known. Now that sounds like good news to me. Entering or living in the kingdom of God is the same thing as having and experiencing eternal life now. Or as Jesus described it in John 10, the abundant life, the super abundant life. And it's the same as the with God life, as I've been describing. But the most incredible thing to grasp is that the kingdom of God is not a place, it's a person. It's about a king being present. Emmanuel, God with us. God's kingdom had been in place throughout the centuries. However long that time frame was prior to Christ's coming. 
The kingdom of God was there. It was even about and on the world. But the king wasn't there. In Jesus, the king showed up in flesh and blood. The kingdom of God is about a loving, interactive relationship with God and one another in our real life now. The living in the kingdom is living this with God life, this life of love, this life of fullness, of joy. It's about a kind of life that's available in contrast to the perishing life. John 3.16, I've read it so many times in the last couple of years. For God so that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Jesus came as a rescue mission to save humankind from a kind of life, life without God. That leads to destruction. The kingdom of God is about being part of God's great family. It's about becoming like Jesus in all things through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. It's about experiencing God's love and as we do to love him, to love one another, to love ourselves and to love the world he loves. In creation, we were designed for this. In the fall, we lost all this. In the atonement, we were restored to this. And through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we are empowered for this. Now, Jesus didn't just simply talk about the kingdom being near at hand. Everywhere he went, he demonstrated and expressed the kingdom of God. The king was there. The will of the king was being done, showing its presence and availability through healing and setting people free from the perishing life and restoring them to true life, a life with God. Early in Jesus' ministry, he read from the book of Isaiah describing his mission objective. He said, he read these statements. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To let the oppressed go free. To proclaim the time of God's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And then he said, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. King has come. I am here. My will is going to be done on the earth. In these words, Jesus is essentially declaring war on the kingdom of darkness. I am the one Isaiah spoke of, he says, and the time has come. In and through me, the kingdom of God has come and everything has changed. Christian theology and teaching has has focused a lot on the cross and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And for sure, those events were profound and world-changing. But Jesus' ministry of healing, deliverance, and raising the dead occurred prior to his death and resurrection. It came because the king was present to administrate and bring to the earth the kingdom, the ways of God, the life of God, the love of God, through the 
entire incarnation event of the birth, life, ministry, death, resurrection, ascension, and glorification of Jesus, the world was changed. The kingdom of God, the presence and activity of God drew near, becoming available in greater measure and effect than at any previous time in human history, except perhaps in the Garden of Eden prior to the fall. Luke 6.18 describes an amazing circumstance in the life of Jesus. The crowds had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. Everyone was seeking to touch him because power was coming forth from him and healing them all. Then he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Friends, it is God's intention that we live this eternal kind of life, to live in this kingdom of God right now in our lives, where love and what is good and best is experienced through his presence with But we must act even as God is acting. We must welcome and invite him to be in charge to have his way in our lives. Jesus the King is here with us today through the Holy Spirit. And power is still coming from them to heal and make us whole. Not based on our goodness, but upon his goodness. And upon the availability of his life from above. There is a core belief in the vineyard that directs our practice of welcoming and making space for the Holy Spirit to speak, to lead, and to act in our gatherings. And so we say, come Holy Spirit. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to pause and we're going to give some space and we're going to welcome the Holy Spirit to speak, to minister, to have his way for the kingdom of God to be present here in our lives. And so I would just welcome you. We, uh, the, the proper prayer position in the vineyard is like this. You know, the, I'm, I am kidding, sort of, but not sort of, kind of. You know, we've got the old, the other one. Let us pray. Got that one, right? In the vineyard, uh, I was taught by watching others. No one ever said it like I just said it. So take that back. I didn't say that there's a prayer position. but This is such a sign. This one's good, too. I give up. I think I said that a couple weeks ago. I give up. I surrender. It's a good one, too. So you figure out which one you want to use. But anyway, if, if you can even, you can do this one too. It's okay. I just invite you just to, in some way, express your openness to God. And in your heart, say, come Holy Spirit. Have your way. Because here together, in the community of God, Jesus is present. The Spirit is present. The Father is present. He wants to speak, to heal, to touch. Come Holy Spirit.
you just keep your eyes closed? Um, I'm aware in the natural that there's been a lot of kind of turmoil and stuff happening and going on in many of your lives. I know that's been true in my life. Just weird, oddball things. And I believe that the, the enemy has uh, had his way uh, with some of us. And has just led us astray from this core truth. And we find ourselves in, in, in difficulties and circumstances that are hard. And, and we forget that God is with us. Or even perhaps that we hear the whispers that says why God's doing this to us. And so I just want us to just lay aside for a moment these accusations that the enemy of God will often speak to us, accusing God, accusing one another, even self-accusation. And to just say, no. No more. No more space. I'm not going to give you space in my life anymore. I am going to embrace the love and presence and kingdom of God in my life. Holy Spirit, have your way. Your kingdom, your ways be manifest. Would you push back the darkness and the pain, the the challenge, the difficulties of these days that so many have experienced? Pain that's come through relationships, difficulty in the workplace, the circumstances. Invite God to come and minister to those places of disappointment, sadness, hurt, accusation. Just invite him to come. Holy Spirit, I ask you just to bring your love. Bring the Father's love now. Remind us of the goodness, the blessing, the provision, the care of God.
I'm just sensing that there's um, some people that are struggling with shame. Um, and, and I was just thinking, well, that's really common. <laughs> and, and I feel like the Spirit was saying, yeah, it's really common, and that's what the culture is trying to stir in us. sense of feeling shame for who we are and how he's created us, and that that's the tactic of the evil one, but it's not the way the Father is. The Father is saying, no, I'm not ashamed of you, how I've made you, and I love you. Um, so it's kind of general, but it felt strong. Do you want to just pray for us? Are there other words that might be words of encouragement or other sense of, of how God might minister? He's trying to encourage the people. Becky? I'm sensing from the Lord that um, there might be some people here who feel like a little just block or barrier to that inside place with God, that intimacy with God. Like there's just something in the way. And I just feel that he wants you to know that um, it's not yours to figure out why that's there or what that is. Um, Don't worry that you can't maybe even name it. Um, But if you sense that that might be there, that there's something deeper, as as Clara just spoke, that we might know the love of God through and through. If you're not, feeling you're connecting to that river of love, um, you're invited just to ask him for help. Um, You can say to the Father, to Jesus the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, would you please remove this block? And he will come to you. Um, I just had a sense of someone with pain in their left knee. Pain in your left so knee? So what's, what's going on is that, you know, um, there's the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and sometimes uh, we're a little frightened by the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit might want to speak to us or move us or encourage us. And so um, for those of you that that feels unusual, we give space to the Holy Spirit um, to speak to us and guide us. And then we give space for the Holy Spirit to empower us to pray for one another. So this is not going to be a Randy Clara show praying for you. We're actually going to have the body come around you to pray for your needs, even those that have not been um, spoken about this morning. Because that's how the Holy Spirit works. He works through his people. He empowers his people with words and healing and comfort. Because uh, a person is a lot it's him. He uses people. <laughs> That's why he came as Jesus, because we could not connect with God with this weird, what are you? And so Jesus comes and says, here, this is what I look like, <clears throat> and this is who I am. And now this is how I look like, which is God's people, me and God's people. So are there any other words before we go to minister? Oh, there's two more. Come on. 
This is beautiful. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I just have a sense that uh, there's some people in here you've been praying for a couple of years, and there's just been a delay in the answer to what you've been asking for. And according to Revelation 10.6, I feel like God wants you to know that he is removing the delay, that there shall be delay no longer, and the answer is on its way. Stay up here, though. Yeah, the folks who have prayer can go ahead. Okay, so I, I don't usually do this, and I didn't want to do this. I was sitting back there going, I'm not going to do this, but I'm doing it. So um, <clears throat> as Clara was talking about the shame, I was hearing the words, uh, I am good soil. And so I feel like there may be someone or maybe more than one person here who doesn't feel like they're worthy Maybe they don't feel like God has planted something in them to grow. And so I just want you to know that you are good soil, that we are all good soil, and we can all be cultivated in the body. So um, if that's you, I think what you need to do is you need to face God and say, I am good soil. I am good soil. I am good soil. That resonates. Thank you, Bob. Anybody else? Okay. Um, I don't know if this one's just for me, but I thought I'd—I've been thinking about it for a little while, so I'll share it. Um, I have been on a long journey through grad school. And um, and as part of that, I experienced some pretty significant brokenness in relationship that happened with people that should have been in authority and should have been um, empowering me, and that wasn't there. Um, And just now, as I was sitting here listening to the Holy Spirit, heard him say, like, um, that was not them. That was the enemy. He was trying to destroy and there was fruit there was good that was going to come out of this season for you and he was doing his best to seal that um and and hearing that allowed me to experience a sense of like oh i can forgive those people like they weren't they weren't the enemy and there's a, a, a scripture about this like your battle is not against Flesh and blood, it's not against humans, it's against the powers and principalities of this world. So the bigger monsters that are out there that are using people, right, just as the Holy Spirit can use us for good, the enemy likes to use us to be destructive as well. And so those, that's what was going on with those individuals. Um, and forgiveness is this beautiful gift that the Lord gives us. And so if there's somebody that you're thoughtful of, that you have brokenness with, um, that you feel really hurt and resentful for whatever that is, like ask the Lord to shift that in your mind so that you would be able to see um, and, and release them um, in that. So, Yeah, I don't think that's just Priscilla. I think that's, there's others that are in that place. Thank you, Priscilla. So the, the Father and the Spirit and the Son... Are, are highlighting things that are happening in some of your lives. And for some of you, none of those things ring. They're not 
quite exactly what you're experiencing, but God's still at work in you too. And what is helpful, even as Bob was inviting and encouraging, is a response. To sort of say back to God, that's me. You can do that by saying it back to us, or you can just do that in yourself. But God's gifts are given. They're offered. But we don't get them unless we embrace them. You can have all kinds of Christmas presents under the Christmas tree. They can have your name on them. But if you never open the present and say, I receive, I accept. It's just a part of the process. It, 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 God invites and, and we have to respond. So okay. that's what's needed. Yeah, so um, I've just been thinking of how we're going to do this and stuff because uh, we haven't done this for a while, but we're going to be giving more and more space for the Holy Spirit to have a say in the services and empower us to care for one another. So um, you're going to have to be bold. You know, don't tell me half an hour later I should have responded and I'm now. I'm like, okay, I love you and yes, but let's be bold now because the body of Christ is here ready to minister to you. So that was me. Well, Sorry. Okay. All right. Um, so if you want prayer, just stand up right where you are for any of these words. There's more. And if it's everybody, <laughs> that's awesome. We'll take time and pray for each other. Okay. So you guys just keep standing. And I want at least one person with each individual. I think we have enough for everybody to have two. So just move to, ask the Holy Spirit, who do you want me to move to pray for? And just move towards them right now. If, if it's a female, be good for there to be at least one female with her. It doesn't have to be two females, but at least one female. And same with the males, at least one male with them. Now, if you're standing for prayer, put your hands up. Because at this point, we can't tell who's standing and who needs prayer. Janie is, uh, has her hands up. Priscilla, you want in prayer? Are you going for prayer or are you getting prayer? I don't know either. I don't need either. Okay, we'll, we'll get you prayed for. Okay, Bob. I want you to, to get up and look at the guys who have their hands up and pray that thing on them, all right? Okay, everybody who wanted prayer, do you have at least one person with you? Okay, so why are the rest of you sitting down that are our church folks? Get up and move to people and pray for them. This is not sit down and watch, especially for the folks who are normally here. If you're a guest, that's another matter. The guests saying, okay, I'd, I'd like to see what's going to happen. That's good. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Lay hands on these folks. Okay, so what you're going to do, Beth needs to hear somebody here with, with um, Letha. What you're going to do is you're going to first just ask them, why are you standing up? Because you don't, can't read their mind. I mean, God could tell you, but it's probably helpful. Ask them, why did you stand for prayer? What are you needing? Just listen. And then after you hear, then you're just going to be still with God, with the Holy Spirit, and say, Holy Spirit, just guide our our prayer time. Ask the Holy Spirit to come. And then just pray what's in your heart. Now, take turns. Don't monopolize it, okay? Everybody has at least one person. And after a little while, you might want to ask, 
okay, um, what's going on? You might need to pray again. All right? Okay, let's do that. And uh, Jim, back there, put something soft and quiet so that we don't hear each other's prayers, but the music will help um, kind of wrap it all up. Once you're done praying, if you need prayer, you're a prayer person, and you need prayer about nothing that anybody talked about, but you've got to face this thing tomorrow at work, and you're like, I'm a little nervous about it, get the group to pray for you. Okay, so this may take a little while. We're not just praying for the person standing, but maybe some of you there standing around. I'm going to get surgery or I, my daughter is freaking out, you know, whatever it is. Then pray for one another. Okay, let's be the body filled with the Holy Spirit. And then after that, maybe you ought to ask, what are you doing for lunch? Because maybe we ought to get together for lunch. Okay, I love you and we'll see you next weekend. I'm going to go with the kids, make sure they're happy and let the teachers know we're just going to take another 10 minutes to pray for one another, okay? All right.